Pagans podcast. Here we talk everything paganism, heathenism, witchcraft, mystery, and mythology. Sit back, relax, open your mind, and let us take you back to the days of our ancestors. Welcome to the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Yes, welcome. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. No, no, it's my my pleasure. Always, always fun to communicate with a fellow researcher, and we're definitely into the into the esoteric and the political. I I presume. Uh, political. I try to uh, to stay away from. But sure, so or even you, uh, I mean, you you mentioned conspiratorial. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that's then exoteric. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of political, kind of esoteric. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's true. Um, yeah, welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, for coming on. Um, we are also currently live on YouTube. We don't have people watching yet, but I have Good. shared it. Uh, have no, shared I this. I appreciate all it. around. It, things things work, you know, in mysterious ways. So you never know what catalyzes, and mm. well, it's all good. Doesn't have to be buzzing. They sure do. I I shared it in a couple places as well. Nice. Um, yeah, this is also going to be um, on the audio platforms, of course. So um, just introduce yourself real quick. Um, who are you? What do you do? What's your main specialty what's your expertise well i consider myself a writer and philosopher i've i've been writing uh for over a decade now and um sharing articles pertaining to my writing or extracts of the writing um and you know several websites and magazines and so forth and i've written a number of books now and i'm i'm working on a new project called the fourth initiation and you know i've written a number of books that have at their essence a quat quatrain or quaternary or matrix of four as i call it um and the uh i noticed that you shared the fourth initiate as, as my nickname and i appreciate that and i i wrote what is kind of um dare i say an enhancement but um um a look at uh, the Kybalion in relationship to the unsaid eighth aspect mm -hmm. and, and uniting the Eastern and Western actual, these primal set of eights in what I, what I titled the Tao of Thoth. And of course the Kybalion was written by the three initiates um as the pen name and so i you know kind of being that i've written so much on four <laughs> i <laughs> i called myself the fourth initiate um and those, makes sense. those primal sets of four for you and the audience it's, it's interesting uh there is the bagua of course in the east which is uh, a set of trigrams 
that you might see often around the, the Tai Chi or what's called the yin yang um, in the West. So the, mm -hmm. the Bagua is a really elemental set of eight, whereas in the East or de derived directly from Egypt, they have the Ogdoad, which is uh, uh, the set of eight meters. And the meters, which corresponds etymologically with nature, is uh, a set of these eight primal Egyptian deities. And one can say elemental energies as well as with the uh, Bagua. <clears throat> yeah, now four is a number uh, that you know you'll uh, you'll see a lot in uh, in very different texts. You have, of course, the um, like the most well known the uh, the four yugas, the four seasons, mm -hmm. um, and you spoke of the uh, the Kabbalion. It's a very um, I, I've read it myself too. I think it's very interesting, but it's quite the controversial texts because there is a lot of debate about whether or not it is a actual um, hermetic text or more a text based on um, hermeticism and written from a hermetic point of view. Um, I still thought it was very uh very interesting and yeah uh, I think the, it's got rewarding concepts that you know one can build on i think it's also would be and could be considerably great for younger people you know even to digest those um principles rather than read the entirety of the kabbalion it might be a little heady for, it may yeah. be a little heady for anyone let alone a young person but those principles i find in, in being around young people, especially cause and effect. <laughs> um, that yeah. it's, a very, it's a very helpful series of lessons, of course, for anyone and definitely for, for young folks. Um, and, and I think there is definitely, you know, a, a potential point in that a lot of it, of course, is derivative, you know, if not, you know, not, not necessarily directly um, from, you know, what one could call hermetic text, but then there's the, you know, the, that's, that stuff that, that those texts have all been, um, even the ones that we have, like the, those from Asclepius on down, um, are scattered and fragmented. And then, so it's almost like, well, is a hermetic text something that speaks of hermetics? <laughs> Maybe one could yeah. say, uh, but so I found uh, that that there's a way to look at the um, Kaibalion as as um, a seven aspect concept or seven principles kind of lacking what is an unsaid eighth part. And I develop on that via the, the Bagua and the, mm -hmm. the Bagdawad of the Neaters. Um, so um, it's it's interesting, you know, and then uh, so I kind of you know, in, in, in being a writer, you get accused for being, um, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of intellectual, ridiculous things and, and condescending things. So I, I mockingly said I was the fourth initiate because <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to improve on it. And so I was so bold as to say that, but, but having explored for so much, I then, as, as soon as I came up with that notion of the fourth initiate, 
I started comprehending four in actually a much more esoteric manner. Um, okay. And 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 I I now am working on what is titled the fourth initiation. Uh, so, um, and we're coming up on the holidays right now. And actually, in some ways, the Jesus story is very representative of the fourth initiation. Um, and that being the resurrection and rebirth, right? So there's um, there's birth or creation, and then there's mm -hmm. preservation, and then there's death, and then there's resurrection. And oh. and the Jesus story is very much. And no, notice that it's at the apex of what could be counted as the fourth season, right? Um, this celebration of the rebirth. Um, yeah. So, oh, that's that's a good one. I never never saw it that way. I uh, I, I know that four is you know you'll you'll see it a lot, but um, you know it's 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 it's, it's interesting um, to look at it that way. It's it reveals just another kind of esoteric aspect of it. Not that there aren't esoteric sets of four in themselves. Um, but the fourth initiation, fourth initiatory process is that archetype, the, the Jesus consciousness of um, coming up after being beaten down. You could look at it in several different ways in a, in a personal okay. sense, you know, it doesn't have to be, the, it's not death, literally. It's you know an allegory to one's own being, also. Yeah, no, that's it's that's that's very interesting. See, this is why I love having people like you on because you um, you like you you blow my mind like every every time. Um, and uh, like I appreciate also sharing with, with, with a. With a <laughs> intelligent human so i'm honored to be oh here. yeah no no problem no problem at all and uh you'll see that a lot uh for example with um the tree of life or in um what they have in judaism i can't think of the name stupid but, well i um, think they call it the tree of life often enough <laughs> yeah but uh oh. you know the that's that has i mean we're so used to seeing just the uh the two-dimensional picture that we forget that that has four sides as well sure um and and, and in in the uh what is often the megalithic depiction of these symbols or even a, a, sim a depiction on paper if you will uh it's really hard to depict a three-dimensional form on a two-dimensional yeah. object so we have to really make that, you know, a, a mental adjustment to to see that. And and you know the Kybalian the the polarity concept in the Kybalian is you know basically it says something everything works in polarity. Well, if, if that's true, does polarity work in polarity? And that would be four. And and then. The yin-yang system is often enough simply looked at as a dual polarity, right? But it's not. Yeah. The, no. the, tai, the tai chi is actually based on four aspects at its most primal, and that being minor and major yin and yang forces. 
right? So if, I mean, the Kybalion, it's almost interpretive and the fourth principle of polarity is almost interpretive. That is that it says everything goes in polarity. And then, well, I almost say, well, that, that might be true if he's saying that polarity is in polarity as well, like in the yin yang. So it's a, it's something, something that one thing that I, I find is limited is of course, being monotheistic is really the most limiting, but being in this either or mentality. Um, and so one aspect of just imagining or comprehending the possibility of four answers to a problem or a situation prevents that either or limitation. That's one one nice thing of just, you know, in a situation trying to comprehend it in four aspects. Because usually it's the base. It, it, I call for the Occam's razor. And if you look mm -hmm. at it, if you look at it, it's like a cross with a handle and a blade, right? Yeah. So, so, so the handle is below, and and it's it's literally the basis for, you know, um, as a sacred geometry comprehension or concept. Four points is the uh, least number required for a volume or solid. And um, it, it tends to be philosophically and, uh, you know, just observationally, you can cover totality at its minimum with four aspects. Yeah. There's no, always, I was, I was always other possibilities, but sorry. Yeah. No. Ex no. Exactly. No. I was just. I was just thinking about that because if you take the, um, you know, the the, the well-known cross of uh, of the Christians, if you just take it as a um, a two-dimensional picture, you fold it up, you get that. Uh, you get the cube. You get the um, you get the four dimensions. The you know the four points, the four cardinal points of of um, of Earth. Um, Absolutely. And this is where. The four symbolism actually it directly relates to that material earth symbol of the cross and, oh, and the, okay. sun, the, the, the sun symbol also is a cross within a circle but but that's where the four symbol is directly related from to type of thing it's all oh, okay. four four is like like just like it's the minimal number of points for a solid object in geometrical mm -hmm. terms, that's a correspondence with that it's symbolic of matter um, and earth. Oh, that's re that's really interesting. I've always been a fan of like uh, numerology and uh, like later diving into some um, sacred geometry. So that's it's, um, that's that's another reason why I wanted to. Uh, to have yeah, the correspondence is, is is very interesting with the with the sacred geometry. There's a lot of, um, I guess, preponderance that it's you know mostly um, lessons based on shapes, and that's there is that certainly, but um, it can also be um, a whole series of study with the relationship of the four dimensions of geometry, <laughs> of course. Of you know, I'm I'm the four guy, and so the four dimensions yeah. <laughs> of, of geometry stuck out to me as as a basis for all ge uh, geometry, literally, and of course, 
maybe as a basis for sacred geometry. And, and so there's the four dimensions of geometry, but also all of mathematics is based on four operations. There was a time oh. period, I believe, that they were looking for a fifth operation. They didn't find mm -hmm. it. It was like a thing in the Renaissance, I believe. But, but the, but the <clears throat> four operations of arithmetic are exactly um, um, uh, uh, polarized in, in what I call a duality of polarity, right? There's, there is the uh, uh, multiplication and division and the subtraction and, and addition. Right, so yeah. all of mathematics is based on four. All of geometry is based on four as well. If only they explained it to me like this in high school, maybe I wouldn't have, wouldn't have flunked it. Um, <laughs> Joseph coming with a really, really good comments. The North Pole and South ah. Pole, Prime Meridian. And that's it's, why uh, there's the, they call it, there's the four hemis there's two hemispheres, but there's the four divisions, really. Like he said, if you actually look at it, there's got to be uh, a, a, a line for that. And, and where is it? Well, you know, what do they do with the, with the timeline they associate with London? So, uh, okay, but, you, but really you could associate it with any um, um, line in that sense yeah yeah they they always say the the four corners of the earth uh right. but then only only mention either north or south pole or maybe the equator so then where's where is the fourth it's uh no yeah and, i think, I think they always talk about you know all the primal cultures not all but you it's it's almost uh, a cliche now to talk about the four directions right and well there's actually you might count it as 360 directions or any number of directions. But, you know, why is it the four directions? Well, because we have that association with the duality of polarity. The, the, the sun goes one line and then we create a, a solar bisect, right? Yeah. And then and then there's the magnetic north and so, you know, so the solar solar and magnetic being different modulated but yeah uh, like yeah even like even with that you have you uh you technically have four different poles like north pole and then the um you know like you said the the magnetic um north pole um geez like four <laughs> you really are the four guy like i i yeah. didn't i never I, realized years researching aspects of this and and you know i wrote the matrix of four which is a philosophical, metaphysical look at it that really builds, I think, from the feedback I've got and my own, you know, anecdotal processing power, having researched the idea and written the idea, it's really enhances one's judgment and ability to communicate because, uh, you know, people get caught up in these, like I said, the, ease, the either or concept, which is often yeah. just okay yeah that's how it is well no that's not how it is or not and actually in a, in a another anecdote of four in a philosophical uh, set that can be identified in maybe somewhat mathematical terms there is um, essentially a choice a choice b choice a b and choice x there is there is the positive 
the negative, the synthesis, excuse my lisp, or the entire alternative, right? Um, and so this okay. is often, often re really there's uh, what is called, what, what is a great example of a exoteric and esoteric um, um, intersection is the Hegelian dialectic. And most, yeah. most are familiar. And that's what I just said is the Hegelian tri triad, but with the four, fourth aspect missing. And the Hegelian tri triad is often referred to as, uh, uh, um, how, how do they say it? Uh, anyway, choice, choice A, choice B, or the synthesis of that. Right. And yeah. I know the United States Congress always does that. They'll come up with like the right wing BS and then the left wing BS. And then they'll make some metaphor metamorphosis that's suitable for some broad institution, but not necessarily a great idea. But there's always the choice X. And so when you when you in, when you know that there's X, what I call nullisis, uh, um into the Hegelian triad, it's not so limiting, right? You, 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 we get caught up in just this triad where we go, oh, we can't do that. No, we have to do that. And then we'll have this synthesis one in reality. Wait, what about this whole other approach? Yeah, um, that's, that's something. Yeah, I know that's something too little people think about. And um, most like they, they don't think for themselves or they don't want to think for themselves uh so they just go off you know whatever is is told that their their choices are you know either you do or you don't either you're with us or you're you're against us um but i mean like you said there is always a a third if not a uh, a fourth option at the basis, right? And and there's maybe yeah. unlimited from there. But at the basis, if we just realize that there's always the nullesis from the synthesis also, then then we can, you know, maybe stop some ridiculousness uh, often enough, e even in a personal sense, not just institutional. No, of course. No, but um, so what what made you um, research? all these things what 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 made you write these these books um because i'm i'm either um i mean I'm, I'm assuming you just as a child maybe you were interested in, in those things for some of us it starts really well, uh, really early you know i mean i'm i kind of uh lucky enough i grew up all over the united states and not just in one place and also I grew up in New York City and I learned what can might be described as, you know, maybe some streetwise spirituality I, I was exposed to. So I always was interested in the spiritual rather than the dogmatic. And maybe I wouldn't have been able to even present that idea to you at that time when I realized that <laughs> um, and I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it. But I've always been interested in you know, these spiritual concepts. Um, and I've always wanted to write. Um, one of the first ideas I really started formulating was a build off of Orwell's idea. 
and and uh, Orwell or this specific Orwell idea um, from 1984. He presents um, what is often referred to as the book within the book, and it's the uh, theory and practice to oligarchical collectivism. And Mr. Smith, and I, I pay homage to him by using that name in my pen name, um, uh, Winston Smith gets a hold of what is this revelatory guide of history and, and institutions and individuals. And it's debated by him and others that he learned about it from if it has been institutionalized itself and a bunch of lies or if it's true. So, so it, Winston Smith gets a hold of this guidebook that is uh, a way to pierce it for, for the individual to gain rights in an, uh, a series of institutions. And so that's what I, I first wrote, the complete Patriot's Guide to Oligarchical Collectivism. And that word is best said when you sound like a robot, because it's a, a wild word. <laughs> it's uh, um, it's quite, a, quite a mouthful, yeah. But oligarchy, of course, is, is a, a, the few, excuse me, the, the few in control of the many. And, and this yeah. can be kind of depicted as a pyramidal system. And really, if you boil it down, most all government institutions are oligarchies in one way or another. Even a monarchy is an oligarchy because there's not just one really doing everything and setting the time. Yeah. You know, it's, so um, an oligarchical collectivism is really like a bunch of pyramidal blocks made into a pyramid. Right, so it's a whole institutionalization. It's a collectivization of institutions, yeah. and really, that's how the world is. <laughs> but it's so it's a, you know, it's a it's a big phrase, but it's it's pretty, you know, general in in a sense as well. Uh, but yeah, but in that in that book, Orwell famously says that throughout record something to the effect of throughout recorded time, there has been three types of individuals in the world. And there always has been, there always will be since the beginning of the Neolithic age, the high, the middle, and the low. And in the book, these are represented, uh, represented by uh, the inner party, the outer party, and the proles. Yeah. And I noted that there's actually a fourth character that's elusive in in the book that's unmentioned in that set of three and that would be what orwell describes in the book as the brotherhood and they were again elusive whether they existed or not there were that few of them one could presume from the fictional presentation um, um and they were the you know righteous rebel archetypes that were trying to spread you know, liberty, um, uh, if you will. So, so with that in mind, I kind of conceptualized that there might be four archetypes, and that was my first book, uh, and directly inspired from Orwell. And, nice. And and so Orwell really, really knew, and that that uh, he knew what was up. I mean to say, I don't know if he knew about four, but it, it is of interest that 1984 actually begins on 4 
4, April 4th. Uh, and it's, oh. it's started by uh, uh, Winston Smith's entry into his diary, which is really the only place yeah. in that world he could express a little bit of thought of his own. Where Post he could where he could truly be free, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's that's a. And he had to do it in a corner away from the telescreen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, like we're so, totally not li we're totally not living in 1980, 1984 right now. Right. Well, we're almost living in a kind of a combination of nineteen eighty four and uh, Huxley's book. I'm spacing the title. Brave New World. Yeah, we're almost in a combination of. And, you know, the yeah. world has always been a combination of a number of realities, really, yeah. a number of systems and sometimes even the lack of in the past. Um, and so, you know, as I started researching this idea where there was kind of uh, political archetypes, then that really unfolded into a whole field of, I mean, Jungian, you know, psychology is arguably entirely based on these this idea of four right and and you know the greeks had the four humors uh the four essences of character essentially um and, and so it really started to un unravel into this whole other series of lessons um and uh, and one of them being through all these series of lessons is the really the unity of humanity we're we're so similar and through numbers you can really break down a lot of symbolism because it tends to vary so little right these these yeah. primal aspects or rather prime aspects like in relationship to four really don't get disturbed as much as maybe other things um one you know for people that have heard me speak before this is a, a something i talk about often but from that first book i learned of what are the three wise monkeys and and you know actually to 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 uh change the sub not to change the subject but backstory uh gandhi is buried in india and he's buried with three statues of mm -hmm. the three wise monkeys okay, okay. but but there's a fourth the, the three wise monkeys are uh, uh, speak no evil, right? Hear no evil, see yeah. no evil. And, and the fourth monkey, often omitted, is fear no evil. And if anybody, and if anybody in humanity in the last hundred years, maybe top 10 anyway, Gandhi really embodied fear, no evil. And for that, yeah. every, he empowered so many individuals that, you know, you almost can't watch a movie about him and not tear up because yeah. of his righteous, warrior, peaceful, proactive inspiration for all these people. And that's really what the fourth monkey is uh, symbolic of. Um, and uh, he he looks, listens, and speaks, and fears nothing, right? And and holds his center uh, in in the east. This is the Dantian. From from the Dantian, all action originates. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I I, I like everyone knows about the the three monkeys, and I have sure. heard before and and read before that there is a fourth one. 
Um, I never knew it was related to um, to Gandhi, though. Well, uh, well, I don't know if it, it is necessarily said that it's related to Gandhi overtly, um, but at his yeah, burial okay. site, there is the three, and you know, four is this unmentioned thing. It, it's we often see a trinity, and where there's a trinity, I guarantee you, I could find a chord ternary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't want to say like, right. Yeah, Joseph, right. I was going to mention this to you because I, I know, I know that you, you are well aware of this traditional uh, uh, comprehension and, yeah. and forgive me. I don't even want to say the name because you know, you're, you're folks, but what's the sacred tree of life in the Norse tradition? That's the, uh, the Yggdrasil. Right. See, see, I don't, I don't, don't want to kill it. Let me try Yggdrasil. Um, yes. and, and, and so it is most notably has three roots and one trunk, right? So uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I think there might be five branches from that as well, which they say symbolize the, the nine dimensions. But it's interesting yeah. that there's the three roots and the one trunk to me. Um, the, the three norns, um, the... Uh, the, um, the ones who uh, who prophesize and weave the the web of faith, fate, the the web of weird, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of threes, a lot of triads, um, indeed. Uh, you know what I you mentioned uh, um, uh, as as your your uh, listener just mentioned too that it, the four kind of leads to the eight, but it's really related back to the four and and. The, the horse's eight legs, of course, were able to bring Odin across the dimensions, yeah. right? Um, and, and so Odin is famous for being the first one to comprehend the divination practice, right? The spelling of yeah. the runes, yeah. right? And for this, he hung himself and gave his eye, right? Yeah. To, for true sight and and so actually you know in a sense true sight is you know an intuitive kind of a, a, a sacred geometry look at things right the um there's a certain energetic comprehension when you can see the energy of points lines planes and solids right and so uh uh for me, when I see this uh, archetype that's God that's responsible for the divination practice, mm -hmm. which is intuition, which is really that sacred geometry judgment, not a, a, a you know a really base judgment as we have so often, yeah. um, but but a sacred geometry judgment. He is just like the eight, that horse rather. The, the principles, those eight legs, I, I look at as those eight elemental principles in line with the Bagua, the set of eight triads. And the Bagua is related to the I Ching, which is, of course, the Eastern divination practice. And it's all about formulating the triads in two different triads to make 64, which is, of course, eight by eight. Uh, so, so, but, 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 but check this out. The person responsible for the I Ching, the set of eight triads, 
is said to be Fuzi, who is the related archetype to Odin, who's responsible for the divination practice of the runes, right? And yeah. and and Fuzi uh, uh, is uh, presented often enough with a snake body intertwined with his uh, feminine counterpart, Nuwa. And Fuzi is the uh, Eastern archetype that's related to Thoth. And Thoth, who, of course, his the Greek counterpart of Thoth is you know, now, now said to be, and, and Hermes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and Apollo, uh, excuse me, Mercury uh, as well. But Hermes is derived from the, the all the gods of uh, Egypt had their main cities where they were the focus of worship. And Thoth's city mm-hmm. is was, excuse me, Hermopolis. And Hermopolis means oh. eight town. And it's and and so Thoth is from eight town, Hermopolis, where Hermes gets his name. And and the eight, of course, were in in relation to the Agduad of the eight neaters. And Thoth is responsible as the sacred judge. Yeah. He is responsible for the intuitive practice that's derived from, uh, I think it's called the Benbein table. And it is a series of images that the tarot cards are said to be derived from originally. And Thoth, oh, Thoth wow. being the divine judgment, Thoth being the, uh, you know, he, he also, of course, like Odin, is the only god that can go between all worlds. Yeah. And that's why actually the gods in Egypt, they're always going, hey, I don't know what to do. Call Thoth. <laughs> he can go <laughs> and do, do some stuff for me and trick it out. I don't know what to do. Um, so so he is the one, just like Odin, that is basic, uh, enabled, the, the only one that can, that can transcend dimensions at will. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like relating back all the way to Egypt, I think it's a yeah. This is a interesting. I never, I never heard of this uh, that they did this before. I um, well, no, I, I was I, looking at the archetype of the of the Tahuti Thoth concept in researching the Tao of Thoth, and 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 you know found Fuzi, of course, and yeah. and you know the Bagua. I was looking. At, as a relationship to the Kaibalion originally, and then realize, oh, it goes even even deeper than that. With the Hermopolis is eight town or city of eight to the eight neaters, which which it's uh, the eight neaters are so old we really don't know a whole lot about their symbolism. But essentially, of course, one layer of that is regenerative processes. The, the Egyptians. Were of, of you know this is one of their focuses um, you know even even in those gods and and they are displayed with uh, <clears throat> frog heads and snake heads because if you were around back then you would just look at the Nile and see like all these eggs and snakes mating and frog you know it'd be yeah. this this place of like confounding rebirth and and life uh, uh, so 
that yeah. they're, they're kind of the archetypal energies, the, the eight meters. Wow. Wow, this is this is. This so, wait, is awesome. so I I look as soon as I you know in my neophyte look at Odin when I see the eight principle excuse me when I see the eight legs of mm -hmm. the Slipnir I'm like wow that's he's the divinatory origination the the he's the guy that goes between dimensions and able to be a divine judge he had he was riding on eight. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, like the, the the interesting part is that um, like I, I don't know what your uh, interpretation of this would be, but Sleipnir is born of uh, Loki, the the trickster god, mm -hmm. and I have just done a um, a podcast with NY Patriots who kind of related uh, Loki to Thoth, uh, indeed. Um, I well, think, yeah. Thoth does have a, a trickster aspect aspect to him um, as well. Um, yeah, so I think it almost is like if you if you think about this kind of archetypal story uh, of the the student wants to learn from the master, whether it's the guy is in a cave or a monastery, and yeah. he goes, he doesn't know, he, no one knows him. He goes, and they're like we don't want any thank you bye and if he leaves oh well if he stays there like one two days through the rain through the sun night and they're like oh wow he's still here bring him in <laughs> you know and so yeah. like fixture god will be like no we don't really want any are you but they're really saying are, we're not sure if you're worth it you know um and so that that you know archetype you know it's really looking to inspire i think you know the trickster the trickster god is not necessarily looking to throw you into the pit it's looking to make you inspired to see it yeah no i think that's that's a good one yeah a lot of those trickster gods and um well loki especially uh they are seen as you know as evil as as those bad archetypes those those bad entities um you know like even in the the marvel movies and the marvel series loki has this this helmet like with the the horns on it and all like how how obvious do you uh do you want to make it um oh i'm i'm, I'm thinking of things to say like i'm i'm totally blank at the moment you're 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 coming with so much my mind is yeah no, the, four, the four concept is a whole series of really i mean you could you could say that the four concept is based off of kabbalah and the tree of life you could say yeah. that it's based off of taoism and the yin yang you could say that it's based off of uh you, you know you could probably find it in north mythology even because but to my experience, there might be some place where, but all theology begins with masculine and feminine and yeah. God and the detractor. So there is like, there's always the four in, in every kind of theological beginning. And you could say that uh, the four concept is based off of the oldest symbol on the planet that, that is a word that doesn't even have a spelling in its language which is own 
And and Om actually is another archetypal, often perceived as a triad, really, really presenting a quaternary. And and so Om is pronounced A U M. Om. Yeah. And then, and then the fourth aspect of the sound is silence. And if you look at the symbol beyond the vocalization, there are four aspects of consciousness depicted in the Om symbol. And this is not me making it up. This is straight Vedic <laughs> uh, philosophy. And if you will, you know, their spiritual, uh, you know, basis really, right? But there's some Hinduism yeah. is almost one of these words that belittles the wonder of that area, which is the Hindus mountains. And so there was a whole series of teachings, uh, but, but really many had to do, including Jainism, Hinduism, as we know it, and, and Buddhism have the Om symbol as, as a, a symbol for consciousness. And the, and there's the first duality, which is sleep state and wake state, which hopefully if you're not insomniac, right now we all we all get a little of both those <laughs> the third state is the being in the zone where you're able to perform athletic and or artistic stuff that's like i don't really know how that happened but i'll tell you what i did in the past to develop myself to the point where okay. i don't know how that happened and i did it <laughs> um you know being in the zone where you're able to perform athletically you scored the goal and people are like, oh my God, you, how did you do that? Or, oh my God, this painting that you made, how did you do that? Well, I was just, I was totally in the zone, man. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't quite a sleep state. It wasn't quite a wake state. I was like really in it. Was I focused? Yeah. But was I trying? No, I don't even know what was going on. Anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to perceive this third state, but it is reachable for most all of humanity. And yeah. sometimes even you can uh, maintain it as well. But the fourth state is the dot behind the veil of the Om symbol. And the fourth state to reach this, it's like swimming across the ocean of Mara, which is like the sea of suffering, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's like really, not easy <laughs> and crossing the abyss you could say yeah exactly no, not even could say it be it exactly because yeah okay it's dealing with all of our the abyss well could, could we swim across an ocean literally no no that's not it the abyss is in here all right it is the internal battle yeah um, and and so actually to going back to gandhi if you he said if you want to change the world, change yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, what that's, my, uh, that's asking a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it, it's it's funny. It's what my uh, my late grandmother always uh, always told me. Uh, of course, told she, me knew, she, she yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no wise wise woman. Yeah, no, but that's it's yeah, it's it's a lot to ask, indeed. You know, because um, everybody always. Well, not not always, but a lot of people live um, re reactionary. Of course, they uh, they see something they you know they see something bad happening and they want to fix that. Mm -hmm. um, 
And like I was I was the exact same thing, you know, I was that that diehard activist that, you know, went to those protests and signed just like every petition I could find because that was my way of trying to, you know, to better the world and to save the world. And like everyone thinks they, they can be that, that hero. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. It's only when I, uh, yeah, when I, when I like truly fo- found my uh, my spiritual path, um, I realized, yo, I have a lot of of inner work to do, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you'll hear those um, those comments like we have a, a couple in uh in dutch as well of course you know um the most popular one used is uh um which basically means as much that if um like if you i guess i could translate it if you do good things then good things will come to you um so if if you just try to be the best person the best individual that you can you know it, it starts with you and maybe your good behavior can influence others to uh you know to better themselves and growing and growing uh it's it's a it's a hard hard lesson and requires a lot of uh, a lot of shadow work yeah yeah and you know even you know talk about like i mentioned street spirituality one thing i learned on the street is Respect gets respect. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times just not being a jerk saved my behind. <laughs> so, so um, you know, um, the, the consequentialism um, of people not wanting to hurt you because you were just chill, that, that's a real basic aspect of that. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, he's, no, nah, no, nah, don't mess with him, you know? Um, and so... If you if you roll around with a certain attitude and a certain demeanor and, you know, people maybe won't look out for you. It's just a, a real simple primal thing. But when we take it further, right, then then how are we going to be able to make ourselves better? Well, the only the only way is, you know, focusing on that inner inner work. Right. Yeah. Street spirituality. I've, I've never heard it called uh, being called that way if i've heard of like street smart and street wise but street spirituality is a it's a it's a new one but it's 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 a good one you know i i um like back in my like at least my early 20s i hang around or uh, hung around with you know all the all the wrong crowds and uh you know did uh did all the all the wrong things like living very reactionary indeed because you know i was 
I was mad at the world and I had a, you know, inflated ego and, but very little, little sense of self. Um, hey, hey, a typical young person, me too, man. Of course. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. And, you know, looking back at those, at those times, like, yeah, I, I had fun. You know, I, I <laughs> it was, they were exciting times for sure. But, um, you know, as you, like, as you grow up, as you grow older, and I, I find, especially when you, um, you know, when you find your, uh, your spiritual path, it gives new meaning. It gives you, uh, it gives you new, new vision, a new outlook on, um, on things. Um, and I love getting streetwise spiritual lessons, right? And, and one that's really useful. And I love the word lesson too, because it's like, here's something. Now there's less on you. Right, less on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it doesn't like, work in other languages like that, so forgive me. But no, no, but I get it. I get it. Like less, less baggage. Yeah, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and one um, lesson that's really efficient uh, to take on that I learned in Tai Chi practice is: don't react, respond. If you're always reacting, you're probably going to get hit in the head. Right. If yeah. you're responding, you're going to be much better off. Right. And so um, it is an elusive difference at first, but you might compare it at its most basic. If you're walking along the beach and you see some litter and you go, what a dun dun, -dun left that here. What a jerk. And you keep walking. That's a reaction. Yeah. A response is picking it up. Right. So a response improves, enhances, or if the situation calls for it, diminishes it like a bully, if you will, in a fight yeah. kind of terms. Um, but a, a reaction really might just it's it doesn't really lead to positivity usually. No, it doesn't doesn't really help anyone. And yeah, no, I I I, uh, I say a lot of the a lot of the same things. I mean, I'm kind of repeating my parents uh when it comes to that that there is a um, a big difference between hearing someone and actually listening to uh to them right. actually listening to what they're what they're saying and you know that's that's another thing you know speaking of reaction and response um a lot of the times we we will um like yeah we will listen to someone but not to understand them where we we listen to what they say so we can uh so we can react to right. them and that's you know that, that that's uh it's it's what you see too much still like yeah there's two people talking but it's it's a one-way communication it's an either um, or dialogue which goes nowhere yeah it really doesn't yeah. allow to build right you you, you know you have to we have to just like actually with spirituality and gods, they're mostly builded, yeah, built. You know, it's all it's all integrated and built off of. Sure, there's older ones that are originative and type of thing, but like it's all intersected. You know, and, and we're all we're all a you know a, a mishmash of the you of man, right? The different colors of humanity. Um, yeah. They're really a combination, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that that wordplay, wordsmithery. I, I absolutely, yeah. Uh, 
I fucking love that. No, and I was I was thinking, you know, uh, going back to to four a bit. I've been mulling it over, but even in the uh, the Norse creation myth, for example, yeah, the world is built by uh, by three gods, Odin, Vili, and Ve. Um, but they build it out of a fourth one, uh, the uh, uh, the primal primal giant, primal ice giant. Ah, um, the ice giant is the fourth in that relationship. Yeah, that's that's where they. Thank you for where they built the uh, where they built the world from. Right, you know? I, I, I remember. I remember that. And then they have the Trinity that worked off of the yeah. silent, the silent one. And silence, of course, often enough, cor it correlates with the abyss, and and it correlates with death. Um, and that's why it's often um, hidden, right? Because people don't. That's a reason it's often hidden. People yeah, don't yeah. want to mention death. And actually, in Mandarin, in Japanese, and certain other Asiatic languages, four is a homonym with death. So, like, uh, this yeah. is where the wise monkey's adage is from, which is, of course, why would they not want to mention what is really the only sensible one of these four? Well, yeah. it's the fourth. It's the silent. It's it's the one that you know kills the noise, right? Kill the you know the righteous rebel comes in. It says kill that noise. Everyone goes uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. No, um, I, I I heard I heard that before. Indeed, that uh, in a lot of countries in the east, that um, that four is kind of like our thirteen. So and what's thirteen? So what's thirteen? One, one plus three equals four again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so yes. they don't they don't have uh, uh, on on a lot of places just like not in every building in the West. I presume in the states, I know um, there is there are floor thirteens in many buildings, but in some mm -hmm. of the older ones, especially, no, it's just unmentioned. You know, just like yeah. four four in the East is just no, we're not going to put that there. Yeah, well, but there's no fourth floor. Well, we just don't have the number there. Cause, yeah, because that that fixes. It's uh, it's it's yeah, no, oh, it's it's really, it's really interesting. I I totally forgot that that was a, uh, that was a thing too. And it's <laughs> it's the three with the unsaid. I mean, mo the the unsaid archetype. Of course, it's told, but it's it's that unsaid archetype. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's Man. four. Four is at a basis, you know. Four, uh, four, uh, um, spiritual comprehension and interpretation for you and and your listeners. There's a wonderful set of four that really can um, provide all kinds of wonderful um, ways to look at. Of course, it, it's designed off of uh, it says four biblical texts. So. Mm -hmm. But it's it's wonderful for all kinds of spiritual allegory and and lessons and so forth. Um, it's called the four parts, uh, P R D S, and these uh, are um, from Hebrew, so there's no um, vowels. Um, mm -hmm. and so the P R D S. Forget, I don't know what those words are, but I know what they mean. Um, um, and they are a really a, a really way to, to decipher uh, these texts in a new light, perhaps, or see, oh, they're deciphering it that way. They're looking at it that way. Uh, there is the literal, of course, 
and mm -hmm. there is the uh, uh, metaphorical, and this is the first uh, polarity, and there's the comparative and the secretive. And these these are kind of if a comparative, if you will, if at its most basic might be like we're just doing comparing these the Thoth archetype. Um, yeah. and, and secretive, it's often enough, secretive actually can be found in the fourth aspect. And other sets of numbers you can find the secretive. But it would, you know, just you know, it could be. I'm not saying it is because, you know, people might want to hurt me for this, but like <laughs> literally in, in the, if I, if I'm to take the four parts, the, the four aspects to paradise is what they're called kind of referred to in that sense, the PRDS, because they bring you to a higher level of consciousness as do these spiritual lessons through this key that's represented in these four terms of uh -huh. interpretation. What? Right. So, so, so um, what is a jihad? Is it an exoteric war? Okay, well, that would be a literal interpretation. You're not supposed to do anything but literal, literal interpretation with the Quran. But it, what if it's an internal war? What if a jihad is an internal war? That's a metaphorical interpretation, right? So, so the, yeah. four, the four parts you can find different ways to look at things. Oh, that's taboo. Well, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> some things like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's a metaphor. When, when, um, what's his name is swallowed by the whale. Of course, that's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Jonah. That's, Jonah. That's yeah. Not a, excuse, thank you. When that's not literal, that's metaphorical. Okay. Well then is it interpretive and is it comparative? Right? Well, it, certainly, certainly there are ways to, comprehend that lesson via those four. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah first, that, and that's from that's from a, a Hebrew teaching, but I think it's it's such a useful lesson. Yeah. No. Well, in you know, our minds actually bug out on this if I mean I think this is just how simple we are, not necessarily any other significance. But yeah, if we look at a table of objects, if it has six objects or more, even five people argue, you got to count it. Most people have to count. Oh, two and three, five. If it's yeah. four, boom, it's four. You don't even count it. It's just comprehended immediately. Um, and it's just the way our mind is limited, <laughs> which is just funny. Um, um, so anything more than four, you have to count, but if yeah. you, if you look at people, it's generally pretty easy to remember, for instance, the four parts, because it works in duality of polarity, literal and allegorical and, and comparative and secretive. It's, I mean, you, you even see that like just in, in everyday things, you know, like for, yeah. for example, what do we consider a you know, like the, the perfect family, it's uh, a mother, a father, and then, you know, son and daughter Four kids, you know, both yep. pairs, there you got the, the dualism again. It's, it's just in the, in the most simple things you'll. And the most outstanding, it's absolutely the simple basis 
and it leads to all kinds of profound things. Not that one should limit oneself to four. There's other ways to count, other ways to perceive. It's mm-hmm. simply a wonderful window. Uh, and and so I was mentioning sacred geometry before, and also I mentioned how Thoth is kind of uh, related to the uh, tarot, right? So yeah. um, um, the the so, uh, excuse me, the tarot is related to our modern day playing cards, of course. And yeah. these are based on four suits. And the yeah. suits, of course, are energies. So if you look at it in a tarot lesson, I'm, I'm taking away like divinatory relationships with the tarot, just as a matter of like energetic lesson that might be in a card, right? Okay. And, and if you look at it like that, so there's, there's uh, four energies and these energies directly correspond with the four dimensions of sacred geometry the swords are the points the staffs are the lines the coins are the planes and the cups are the solids or volume and so um at at its basis you know, I mean, this, I've never heard anyone define or present that correspondence. So it's arguable. But to me, it seems pretty inarguable um, that these are energetic relationships having to do with the sacred geometry four dimensions. Um, and so, I, I, again, it could be, it could be me surmounting a projection as I, as I might do with four, but I try to project myself on things like oh well there's a the, the camaro or whatever this car has four cylinders so it means that it, uh, you know mm, you know but but this this divinatory practice being based on what are four suits what are related to four dimensions it it is also kind of like well why do they say four directions four directions yeah. four four dimensions you know four direction yeah oh wow i i uh, a couple of my um of my friends, uh, one, one like a very good friend of mine, Raven. He is uh, he does daily um, tarot readings, and um, my fiance is uh, is also picking it up again. So I'm well, I'm definitely gonna gonna share this part. Uh, I've had several readers tell me that that really improves their comprehension of the cards and the story in the cards, and I'm a total neophyte. <laughs> but but being being an adept at four it it strikes it strikes me yeah no i, sh- I should definitely share this with uh with them because I, I i you know of course we know about the you know the four suits and all and um but there is there is indeed so much more to and, that and, and you know well for you know one of the mathematical or geometrical lessons that uh, um, is relayed in sacred geometry as well as just simple geometry. Um, For instance, as far as energy goes, a line forms a connection and also maybe a separation. Depends how you form it, right? So- A separation, how would- well, Well, the shape of a line it either signifies a border, a wall, or 
a river, a connection, and when it's energetic, a, a you know energetic line really. But um, uh, uh, you know, if do you want something oh. or do you want to separate yourself from something? Well, a line has this dynamic mathematically. That's the rule, and also energetically, it is something that is a, a correspondence. Oh right, right. Man, I should just—I should have paid more attention in math class. Uh, you know, I'm—I'm—I'm—you I'm I'm know—I'm horrible at math. Um, but but literally, I'm just looking at the four dimensions as an esoteric lesson, as a as a really a formation of meditation, um, um, and and to that, most meditation practices really form or present themselves not obviously mm -hmm. um, but in terms of what i call the the how to meditate through the four dimensions of geometry and the first is connection uh, uh, yeah. excuse me uh, um, excuse me no the first is concentration and this is of course a point and and often enough this is yeah. literally talked of as a point <laughs> It might be literally, you know, the point that you focus on in the meditation instruction specifically. Yeah, I've 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 heard that before. You know, focus on on one thing and yes. one thing only. Like if you have trouble keeping your mind still, then just take this this one thing and maybe like some sound or or just like a a specific point or the breath the or the breath that can be. Um, um, yeah. your point of concentration, um, any num and or a, a picture of Odin, you know, like that's a those are powerful ideas too. A picture of Jesus, for that matter, um, or Kuan Yin, whatever. The, the point of focus, a point of concentration, literally is yeah. uh, the terminology of that first aspect. And then we form connection, and that's the line in a positive sense, not a line like a wall. Yeah. Um, and and then there's usually, especially in Tai Chi and yoga, there's circulation, right? And so um, mm -hmm. we're moving those energies even through and beyond uh, uh, idealistically things of ourselves, but within ourselves certainly. Um, yeah. And and then there's what I call unity expansion, and this is that. A feeling from meditating, from being in a really, um, or, or one could look at it from being in this third mind state, that in the zone, um, that yeah. deep, deep awakening, as as opposed to just awakening and sleeping. This third aspect of the Om series of uh, consciousness levels of consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. When you maintain that for longer, you're you're you know you. You start to be in in that um, place where you feel unity, consciousness. Things are very much connected, very much all all you know orient yeah. the the same. So it has it has that four dimensions of geometry energetically in most meditations. If if you kind of conceptualize the energies of the four dimensions of geometry beyond the physical, and so earth, excuse me, geometry even means earth measure, and so yeah. sac sacred geometry is 
intuition, one, one could say, sacred geometry, meditation. It's not just oriented to, to shapes. I, I think it really is. It, people even talk about when they use these shapes as a point of focus and connection and so forth that they're rewarded. Yeah, and no, I've, I've seen, um, it was like just the other day, uh, people talking about um, like kind of a um, Pythagorean kind of meditation, you know, meditating on the shapes, meditating on the, on the numbers and such. Well, well the Pythagoreans um, were big on numbers. And, oh, yeah. And, and their number symbolism, it was said to derive from mm. Egyptian symbolism. And the Pythagoreans, the Pythagoreans were notorious for everyone you brought up two, they would spit. Because really? it was, yes, yes. Because just like we don't like this either or mentality mm-hmm. that we were mentioning before, that's that's the two. That's oh, the two. right. They didn't like two because it was divisive. Um, singularity? they loved uh the the polarity the two not so much this was this was a despicable number they looked at three as being the perfect number the balanced number because you had the extreme on one side the extreme on the other side and and the center point but as far as four goes they revered four and they uh, uh, have invented uh, and even it's kind of, I don't know if it was invented by them or they celebrated, but it's called the tetractus. And it's the triangle, and tetra mm-hmm. means four. Um, yeah. And it's a four shape, uh, a four, four basis triangle, I think tis means, but um, uh, forgive me, I'm forgetting what the after the tetra means, but. It, it has a four-layer triangle of one, and then two, and then three, and then four. And and this is also used in reference with the tetragrammaton. And the tetragrammaton is, if you like, look at a Bible that's a complete version that's not, you know, simplified. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it will have an asterisk. Or, or it will have a glossary. Um, mm-hmm. So, what is Lord and El and Yehovah mean in the Bible? Whenever you see that in the Bible, what does that mean? Or God? What does God mean? You look it up in the glossary. It means tetragrammaton. Okay, God is tetragrammaton. <laughs> um, so, so in the Bible, the tetragrammaton is God. Um, and, and so this is correlates with the Pythagorean concept of, of the tetractus. Um, and, and so the Hebrew word for God, the tetragrammaton, yeah. is, it has a Greek name, the tetragrammaton. Um, and, and actually in English, of course, you're familiar because you're, you're, what are you, trilingual or uh well bilingual bilingual but but you gotta you know some other languages like most most yeah 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 yeah. i mean i I know i mean to compliment you being for being so adept in english and and so forth um and and 
in English, right, it's what's this feared kind of symbol, the pentagram. Yeah. And so uh, uh, and and so that's a five aspect symbol. Yeah. And so a four aspect symbol is a tetragram. Yeah, that's a tetragram. And so what is a tetragrammaton? Well, it's sort of corresponds with the English aspect or, or um, word form Asian, Atan Asian. So, so what is tetragrammaton for gram Asian? No, well, we say for grammar. We say for grammar. So measure oh. and word. And, and so the, the creation um, symbol of the whole Bible Mm-hmm. is not a not a tetragram not quite it's a tetragrammaton um and so and <laughs> wow this is the whole bible yeah. um and so really it forms the there is another example where actually in this this tetragrammaton and this tetractus symbolizes directly the points lines planes and solids of creation the the geometrical mathematical rule that one could meditate on this concept with is a line cannot be formed but without many points yeah plane cannot be formed without many lines and a solid cannot be formed without many planes each are dependent on the prior. This is again not me speculating. I'm 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 putting it in spiritual terms, but yeah. that is the geometrical rule. You know. Wow. And so it all the whole Bible was based on for grammar. For for grammar, the whole thing. And even yeah. if you look at, of course, the uh the Quran is, of course, built up off of the New Testament and the Old Testament. Is they're not like disparative that much. And if no. you look at the Quran, if you read the Quran, the whole thing is about four types of folks. <laughs> <laughs> but of course it is. But of course, it's not overtly said. Here's the four types of folks. You got to read into it. Yeah, And when you're looking at things in a duality of polarity or four, as I do, when I start reading the Quran, I see it right away. There are the believers and the non-believers. And there are yeah. the peacemakers and the war makers. That's it. The whole thing is about those four types. So that's just that book, you know, as far as archetypal thing. But but really, I, I find the tetragrammaton, the four grammar, the four measure being much more significant, certainly. Wow, this. Oh, man. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where my I don't know where my mind went. But well, it's, well, like it, that, it's, it's wild because sacred geometry really forms creation esoterically and geometrically yeah. um, theory you know yeah um, so um and and even like you, you mentioned that got me started on that it's a it's a wonderful meditation tool wonderful meditation tool
Yeah. Oh man, I I think we we've, we've reached our uh, our high point. So I well, uh, well, I'm writing about I'm writing more about the Tetragrammaton and the fourth initiation in my new book, the fourth initiation. Uh, so I, I hope if people check it out um, and it's going to be available, of course, on 4-4 of the upcoming year. Um, but uh, if, people, <laughs> if people can support it earlier, it, whole, it like holistically uh, defeats any algorithm against me and even builds up Amazon algorithm for me. So if anyone's interested, please check it out. Oh yeah! If you um, if you send me some uh, some yeah, links, I'll, make, I'll make sure to uh, to put them all in the thank you yeah in yeah, the description. You. No, of, of, absolutely. Uh, is there anywhere else that um, the good people may uh, may find you? Maybe in uh, you know well you know you? luckily for for us how we met on Minds. I'm on Minds. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook even, and I, I don't think anyone's faking Ethan Indigo Smith yet. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. This is, uh, this has been amazing. I have so much to, to think about. I, I really need to, uh, to let this sink in for, uh, for a moment this is yeah well uh, what i've found too with the four lesson which you know I, i'm you know i now have blossomed some other stuff out of these four dynamics but mm -hmm. for me i learned it as well and it's really helped me in in a way that is um oh yeah that's why that's why i did that that's why i chose to b or a b or x in that situation how did you why did you and it's it really is an enhancement on on our thinking uh, and not necessarily i don't mean it i mean that on the humble i don't i don't mean it mm -hmm. in terms of self gratification it, the, the, no, four, no, I... the four concept is super revealing and and uh, you know uh, an ascension process in itself yeah oh i'm i i'm for sure gonna gonna read your book and uh and gonna read other works of uh of you too because this is this has been amazing yeah thank you um, thank you for the support i love i love bringing the the unity consciousness to all these ideas yeah no th th thank you for uh for coming on and yeah. blowing blowing my mind several times over <laughs> um this is uh no, this has been this has been great, and I uh, I very much look forward to uh, to learning more and reading more about this. Um, and we'll and we'll talk more. We'll, we'll, we're, you know. Oh, we 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 have to. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have to. So yeah, this uh, I'm going to leave it at this. Thank you all for watching. Thanks to everyone who was in the live chats yeah thanks uh, for everyone for building that was that was really cool to see the feedback yeah no yeah absolutely and this is this is one of the reasons why i uh why i love doing it uh love doing it live so that yeah. other people may come with uh with things to uh to weave on to ponder on um this has been stein fox from the tribe of the greyhorn pagans you can find us on telegram on mines and you can find me on telegram minds and twitter 
Um, go check out Ethan his books. Uh, support his work. It's uh, it's absolutely amazing. And yeah, until next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.